What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to, or watching as the case may be, Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. We are not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about the age of accountability. Now, full transparency. The reason that we are getting this today is because two reasons. Number one, I like talking about it. It's something that greatly affects every family who is rearing their children and bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And one of our listeners put a post in a forum talking about this because of his children are starting to ask questions. He got really, really good advice in the forum, but I thought that I would bring it here and I'm not going to call that person's name because of privacy reasons. It was in a, it was in a group, a private group, but it's a good time to talk about it. I think probably once every four or five months, maybe, maybe twice or four times a year, even it wouldn't hurt to have content about the age of accountability. So that being said, uh, if you'll turn your attention to the bottom third, regardless of what we think, God is the final judge and he will do right. Genesis 18, 25. I cannot remember why I put that in the um, captions, but it's been there for six or month, six months or so. And I've gotten a lot of mileage out of it because every time we talk about something that I don't want to use the word controversial, this is not really a controversial topic, but it is a topic where people have a lot of opinions, a lot of convictions, and God doesn't give us a line of demarcation of age where a person goes from accountable or, or from safe and not accountable. In other words, innocent to, um, to accountable and needing the blood of Jesus Christ. So that being said, the judge of all the earth is God. He will do right. And that's regardless of what we think. The only thing that we can do is we can go to scripture and we can ascertain from the preponderance of evidence what scripture says about the topic and even adjacently about topics adjacent to the topic, then we can ascertain a pretty good way of thinking about this idea of the age of accountability. And I, I rather also uh, like what John Exum, he watches quite often. I don't think he's in the comment section yet or else he, oh, no, there he is. Um, I rather like what John Exum said the other day. Um, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it had something to do with maturity. John, maybe you can re-up that. And, and I get it. Like We need to think about the age of accountability, and I know we use that nomenclature, but there is a sense in which it's not necessarily a, an age that we can nail down, but it is a sense of maturity. And of course, that happens differently for different people. Good morning, Facebook user. Uh, Connie Barden, good to see you. John Exum, good morning. Um, I'm going to get your comment here. Yeah, the point of maturity. Yeah, that's, 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 not, a bad, that's not a bad way to describe the phenomenon there. 
Um, so we got Facebook users says, good morning, brother. Wayne Vaughn says, good morning. Amen. Connie Barden's here. And I think that's all of the comments. Remember, I don't see what y'all see. So if you put a, like, for instance, John Exum's got this comment here. Um, he, John Exum, I'm picking on him cause he's here and he watches a lot and he comments a lot. I don't get to every one of his comments and I don't think John expects me to. I, I get to a lot of them because they're good comments. But if there was a comment, for instance, uh, about this, this topic and John really wanted me to read this and, and wanted and wanted to interject it in the show. Well, if I overlook it for, for quite a while, what we'll do is we'll just, we'll just put it up. You know, we'll, we'll, if he just re ups it, I will eventually see it. All right. Uh, anyway, that's, but remember, if I'm not reading your comment, it probably has absolutely zero to do with what I think of you or what I think of your con comment. It has everything to do with, I don't see what you see and Facebook and YouTube and all of that stuff don't always play fair. Anyway, could this help in this matter? Who desires all men to be saved and come to the full knowledge of the truth? First Timothy two, four, could the point of maturity be when the person is able to come to the full knowledge of the truth? I think that is absolutely true. Uh, hello, friends. I kindly need your prayers. Our children, orphans are likely to spend days without getting food. Um, man, I hate that. And I'm going to tell you, um, I, you, you must be in the, uh, the Christianity now Facebook group. Um, but, uh, I, I really hate that your children, orphans are, going to spend days without food. Uh, we don't have any way to help you. And I have a policy. I don't send money overseas. I don't, I don't, I don't send money to people who solicit on Facebook. There is a proper way to handle things. And if you actually have a need, you handle it local first. So go to your local church first. And if, and, or go to your friends and family, go to, go, go to your local church, go to your local government, go to your federal government. And you know what, if you happen to be in a third world country that is just so absolutely poor that there's no help for you, then my suggestion is, um, find a church, find a contact with a, with somebody with a church in the United States where they can vet your actual situation because this sounds bad, but we don't know you from Adam's uncle. And I know of a situation where there was a supposed preaching school in India that congregations of the United States were supporting and they were getting letters with pictures of students, the wives of students and this, that, and the other. And one of the elderships sent a contingent of men over there unannounced. And it turned out that all of the students and all of the wives of the students, they were actors. And it was one man who had a harem of women and all of the preaching students were his uh, sons and all of the quote unquote wives of the preaching students were either his wives or his daughters. And the churches in the United States were just paying this man to have a big family and a big harem 
in India, and they were living orders of magnitude above the median income of that nation. So I, I, I know that sounds, maybe, maybe it makes me sound heartless, but as Connie said, we can pray for you and God will, God will sort it out. But if you're really in need of help, my suggestion is you, um, you build a, build a relationship with somebody in the, in the States, if that's where you think you need to go to get help and, uh, let them vet you. And it's not going to be an overnight process. It's going to take some time, but again, it's right, wrong, or indifferent. There's so many scams and everything like that, that we just, we just have to be that way. And, and we wouldn't have any way to help you anyhow. Um, can I talk to someone here? I don't know who that would be. I, I Facebook user, I'm assuming this is the same person. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're not set up to help like that. We're not, we're not a church. We're not, I mean, this is, this is me and another person and we have a, a brand Christianity now where we put out content. So we'll pray for you. We want to help you, but, uh, we don't have any way, like we're not going to send you money. And I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't know you well enough to stick my neck out to, um, to vouch for you to people that I know. So you're, you're kind of, you gotta, you're going to have to do the work on that. Um, John Exum says, but I appreciate you taking time to address our comments. Well, man, it, it makes the show. I don't expect you to read every one of my comments. You're likely continue your speech until midnight. <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, the, 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 the reason I take the time to read comments is because it makes for a much better show in my opinion. So I thank you for all the comments. Good morning, Terry Crooks. Good to see everybody. And, uh, now let me, uh, let me get, let me do this real quick and put this caption on. Um, don't forget that, uh, our email is Christianity is now at gmail.com. And for show topics and questions, you can send an email to that email address. Uh, we've already got a show topic Monday. We're going to be talking about, uh, speaking in tongues and we're going to look at a biblical examination of the phenomenon speaking in tongues. Um, there's a book that I have. It's a really good book. It's called Glossolalia from God or man. And, uh, this is going to be very interesting. I hope, I hope you, I hope you tune in and hope you enjoy it. Mark it on your calendars. Um, before we get into the meat of our podcast, we've been going 11 minutes here. Uh, let me go ahead and let us hear a word from our sponsor. Are you part of a church congregation or any institution seeking effective ways to spread the word about your event. Remember, it's gospel meeting season. For those of you that um, are tasked with designing flyers or postcards or social media graphics, uh, Lindsay, Lindsay Dotson has got you covered, lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com. You can reach out through a private message on Facebook or the preferred method, which is to send an email to lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com. Please don't miss this opportunity to make your message resonate both far and wide. Contact Lindsay Dotson, Lindsay Faye Dotson at gmail.com. All right. Now, um, amen, brother. We receive your prayers with gracious heart, and you can help us share among friends and family. There may be someone out there to support us. Yeah, I'm, again, I appreciate your plight, but um, you, need, you need to build a relationship with somebody 
and they need to vet you. Please, anybody that's listening to this, do not contact this person and send them money. And I, I, I know that sounds harsh, but there's just, there's just so many scammers out there. And there, 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 there are, there are people in third world countries that have a communal laptop. They'll go to a place where that has free Wi-Fi, and their entire workday will be sending messages like this to people in the United States uh, and people in Canada and being like, hey, we're, we're sick, we're tired, you have so much, can you just send us a little bit? And, you know, I know somebody that, that sent a fellow three or $400, you know. And, again, it's there, I can tell you so many stories of where people were scammed. So don't, again, just there, there's proper ways to do things and putting it out on Facebook that you want money to feed orphans is not the proper thing to do. It's just not. All right. The age of accountability. I think that what we can all agree on is that the Bible teaches that there is an age of innocence and an age of accountability, all right? Uh, whenever we look at a little child, the farther the farther from the center this 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 person is, the less controversy or less question there is about it. For instance, anybody in the chat, if I were to tell you, "Hey, here it ripped," don't clip this. I this did not happen. This is subjunctive. If I were to tell you, yeah, here at Riverview, I baptized one of our members' uh, small children. They That little tender heart wanted to obey the gospel, and they confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And they were able to list, they were able to list all of the verses that had to do with the so-called plan of salvation. Oh, really? Well, how old were they? They were three. Do you think that a three-year-old, is anybody here of, of all the the 20-something people listening, do you think that a three-year-old needs to be watched of sin? You see, a lot of people, uh, we have this, okay, uh, folks. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to allow you to come on to this and use it as a way to get money. I I, I again, I haven't I don't even know if you even have an orphanage. So, anyway, hopefully I think I just blocked them from the chat. Hopefully they'll that'll take care of itself. And again, I'm not I mean, it, it plays on your heartstrings, but, you know, there's just a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. And coming on Facebook, saying all of this, it just, it doesn't have the ring of truth. It's it, 90% likely it's a scam. So again, be very, very careful. And I know what happens is a lot of times because I, and, and I'm not being sexist or anything like that. I'm just telling you from my experience, I'll have older women, especially send me messages and say, Hey, have you heard about this person? I've been sending them 
$100 a month for the last year, and they've got an orphanage overseas. I'm like, I bet they don't. I bet they don't. All right. Now, everybody can agree that a three-year-old, a three-year-old does not need to obey the gospel. You can talk about this so-called plan of salvation. Hear, repent, believe, confess, and be baptized. Hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. Yeah, five, five steps. I cannot stand the five steps. I think it's reductive, and I think it's greatly damaged the maturity level of Christians in the Lord's church, okay? Christians in the Lord's church. That's redundant. There's the only place there can be Christians is in the Lord's church. I also think about it this way. At what point do we entrust our child with a big life decision? Is it at age 10, 12, 14, 16, 18? Would we entrust them with major decisions like purchasing a house, getting married, etc., at a very early age? Sometimes I wonder if parents sometimes rush decisions without deep thoughts, not saying that a teenager can't decide to obey the gospel, but no need to rush. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that. Um, here's the thing. If, if a child's three years old, nobody's going to say, well, that child's accountable and needs Jesus. Because the first prerequisite for salvation is not hearing the gospel. The first prerequisite for salvation is sinning. If you never sin, you don't need saved. If you never sin, you don't need saved. Can a three-year-old sin? Is a three-year-old accountable to the law? The answer is absolutely not. Okay? A three-year-old has no sin of which they need forgiven. Now, what about a 16-year-old? All right. Well, actually, let, let's, do, let's do John 10, 12, 14, 16, 18. All right. A 10-year-old. Does a 10-year-old, is a 10-year-old accountable to the law of Christ? Could be. That is a conversation worth having. Because quite frankly, it's, it's possible that a 10-year-old could have enough of an understanding of accountability beyond his parents, and I say his, his or her, beyond their parents, that they understand that they're accountable to the God of the universe, and they can ascertain that God exists and that God has a plan, God has rules, and if you violate those rules, there's eternal consequences. They can, some 10-year-olds would be able to think that abstractly in order to, in order to, um, in order to be able to conceptualize the need for a savior, a ten-year-old could do it. Well, what about a twelve? Well, maybe maybe you're saying, well, a twelve-year-old could absolutely do it. So there's less, there's less, um, there's less conversation to be had. There's less uh, questions about that. Well, what about a fourteen-year-old? Well, I think if any 14-year-old come to anybody else that's a Christian and say, hey, listen, I need to obey the gospel, I don't think there's anybody that would deny the 14-year-old or the 12-year-old. They might have a conversation with the 10-year-old. Well, what about the 16-year-old? Again, I don't think anybody would deny the 16-year-old, and it may be that a 16-year-old, that's been, especially that's been reared in the church, you would say, well, there's that 16-year-old that needs to obey the gospel there's no, and the only reason he's not obeying the gospel is because he's just being rebellious. There would be people that would say that. That's a good case to be made. If you've been reared in association with the church, 
and you've been getting all that good teaching your whole life by the time you're 16, you, you know, I would say. I could be wrong, but again, you see, the farther, farther away we get from the middle, the easier, the, the easier it is to make, a, to make a dogmatic statement. What about age 18? I mean, well, at age 18, if you're 18 years old in 1992, you're way more mature than you are if you're age 18 in 2022. You got me? So again, there's conversation to be had, all right? What we have to acknowledge is there is a line of demarcation between safe, innocent, and in need of a savior. I would think they need to be able to get themselves to worship without a parent if the parent falls away at some point. Uh, yes. Now, Philip S. Carmen, your, your question there may show a cognitive bias that relies on the infantilization of our young people. I remember, uh, and I, I was watching Tim Poole, and Tim Poole talked about this, and I looked it up. You can go on YouTube and you can see interviews of children back in the days, of, like in the 60s, 50s, 40s, no, very, very early days of television. There was these children being interviewed, and you've got eight, nine, 10-year-old children that are eloquent of speech. They have a maturity behind their eyes that only certain adults have nowadays. They're able to speak about world events in, a, in an intelligent way. They have they're they have a unique or not a unique. They have an understanding of the world beyond their current existence. Which incidentally, being able to being able to conceptualize. Of uh, uh, the world existing beyond your sphere of influence, that's I think one of the prerequisites. In other words, you're not you're not you're not entered into an age of accountability if if you're so immature that you're only that that you're only concerned or conceptualized or you can only fathom the world through your sphere of influence through your perspective. But these children, man, that that were interviewed, I would say that. All of those children that I watched in that interview would be able to conceptualize the creator, the fact that Jesus died for sins, that there's an eternity, there's something beyond this life, and that if they sin, they're accountable and they need a savior. But again, that's that's a hundred years ago. And we have this idea of infantilization. We we even our 17, 18, 19 year old young people. They're infantilized now to the point where, well, if I'm if I'm 18 years old and I obeyed the gospel, if my parents don't go to church that day, well, I can't go to church that day because my parents take me and I depend on them for a ride. Well, you're grown. You can get yourself to church. Well, yeah, but I'd have to take a cab. Well, then that's what you do. That's what you signed up for. And I think that in 1980, I think a 10-year-old who was converted to Christ in 1980 would be way more capable of getting to worship without the aid of their parents than an 18-year-old in 2024. And that's just me talking. Anyway, um, and John Exum says, and I used could 
not to make it always the case or to make it not always the case. And each person's accountability would depend on their mental reasoning, which is different for everyone. Absolutely. In fact, I, I know people that, um, I know people that, that are in their thirties that are very, very high functioning, but they suffer from mental retardation. And although on the surface, you might think, well, that, that person, you know, they're high functioning, they're holding down a job. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm remember, let me get the, let me get the caption up here. Regardless of what we think, God is the final judge and he will do right. Genesis 18, 25. I think the person that I just spoke of, I, I don't think, I, I think he's safe. I don't think he's probably ever been accountable because he just can't. It, it's, it's, it's abstract concepts that might be too difficult for him to grasp. Now, he's baptized into Christ. He goes to worship every time the doors are open. So, I mean, he's fine, but I think if he would have never obeyed the gospel, probably he would be safe. I don't think he would ever be, I don't think he would ever be considered lost. Um, Wayne Vaughn says, uh, call a member of that, of that church to come get them. Yeah. Uh, and again, I, I remember whenever I obeyed the gospel, I obeyed the gospel at such a young age that brother Glenn Moore was his name. He, he said, look, you, you understand that, uh, whenever you do this, you're not, you're no longer a child in some respects. In other words, he said, you can't lay down on the pew and you can't play with your cars on the pew. You got to set up and pay attention and you got to participate. And, uh, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, that's I'm ready. I, I knew I needed a savior. Folks, I was eight years old. Like it was just, and, and I knew, and the, the, the key is I knew what sin I committed. And that's going to be the most important thing to consider about this. Because you ask your children, if your children are asking questions and want to obey the gospel, that's fine. Say, what, what, what sin have you committed that would keep you out of heaven? You know, um, Mitch Park says, here's an excellent book written by Kyle Butt from Apologetics Pet Press. Uh, based on ages nine to teenage, uh, Mitch, whatever you pasted in the chat didn't come through. I don't know if you put a link or not, but, um, hello, uh, sword and pearl. Good to see you. And Scott Beck says some camp directors refuse to baptize kids at camp for fear that the kids don't fully know what they're doing. Yeah. Scott Beck, um, Aaron Dotson and I have talked about that greatly. Aaron Dotson is now the director or co-director for um, Camp Dakota. I can't remember. It's in Floral, Arkansas. Anyway, um, I remember one year whenever I was there, um, like I baptized like eight or nine children. And I had no, I had no issue of conscience with it whatsoever. You know, I, I interviewed them. I asked them all the, all the questions I needed to ask. And I didn't ask the, like, well, can you tell me the verses for the plan of salvation? I look, you need a savior. What makes it where you need a savior? And man, they tell me, and I'm like, okay, you're right. Let's baptize you. In fact, um, this one girl wanted to be baptized and I'd been talking to her and which this one girl didn't want to obey the gospel. 
but I'd been talking to her and she's like, look, you're right. I need to do this. When can we do it? I said, we can do it now. We rang the bell, got everybody over to the river and her, uh, the, the, the foster parent that was with her actually, uh, was down in the water with her and the guy that was a, a foster sibling, this dude was sitting there. He had his, he was white knuckled, had his arms crossed. He was grabbing his arm and, and squeezing it. And he had this glassy look in his eyes. And I walked over to him. I said, there is absolutely no reason for you to be standing here in this mental state. Whenever she comes up out of the water, you walk over there to that man and you say, I need what she did. And just let Jesus, let the blood of Jesus wash the sins away from you. And you come up out of that water, a new creature. And a couple of tears went down his cheek and he, he didn't say anything to me. He just walked directly to the man that just baptized his foster sibling. And of course it was a huge thing. And I have no issue of conscience with that whatsoever. Oh, Mitch Sparks says it will not show the attachment called, am I ready to be baptized? Gotcha. I don't, I don't know why it wouldn't, uh, I don't know why it wouldn't be, I, I, Mitch, I don't know why. Anyway, uh, Neil Abbott, the book of Acts gives us the age of accountability at 12. Oh, that's got to be a joke. Okay. Um, the men Paul rebaptized in Ephesus. It says of them that the number of the men was about 12. Yeah, I got you. Um, yeah. Uh, a lot of people think 12 is the age because of the Jewish bar mitzvah as well um, when they become a child of the law. Yeah, the sad thing is, Neil Abbott, I've that I, it was kind of like a trauma response. I've had people that would say stuff like that but that they were serious. Ah, anyway. Yeah. It's, I, it, that was funny. It just caught me off guard. All right. <clears throat> okay. Now, first off, let, let's establish that there is, that there is a line of demarcation between accountable and not accountable. I'm going to go to Romans seven and, um, I'm going to start reading in verse seven. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. So outside the law, sin is dead and Paul was alive. But once the law came, Sin was made alive. That's what that word revive means. But sin taking, oh wait, verse nine, for I was alive outside the law once. But when the commandment came, sin was made alive and Paul died. That is, well, I don't know if you'd say explicitly because the words are not used, but this is speaking of the age of accountability, although it's not explicitly stated as such. There was a time when Paul was not accountable to the law. 
and this is the law of Moses, but this works for any law. There was a time when Paul was not accountable to the law of Moses, but then the commandment came. So Paul, there was a mental maturity and he understood what it meant that you can't covet. So it, it, he started realizing that he had these concupiscent thoughts, which were thoughts of a sexual nature. And he was, it wasn't the fact that he was just thinking. It was the fact that he was focusing his mind's eye upon something after which he desired sexually. Okay. Well, that is whenever he died and sin was revived. Well, folks, if that's not the age of accountability, I don't know what it is. Um, Connie Barden talking about the age of 12. Is it also because Christ was 12 when he was in the temple teaching? I, I've, I've heard that as well, Connie. But the thing about it is that's not now. Uh, Neil Abbott's about the 12 men that were baptized in F, uh, 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 by Paul, uh, the Ephesian men. That that was tongue-in-cheek for, for laughs. But I have heard people that the age of, age of accountability is 12 because that's whenever Christ was mature enough to start teaching in the temple. Look. Yeah, you, you, that might be a good rule of thumb. However, um, Christ was exceptional. 12 year olds didn't always teach in the, or in the synagogue, in the temples. He didn't, 12 year olds did not always sit with the teachers. That was, that was exceptional. In fact, they commented on how exceptional that was. But again, if a 12-year-old comes to me and wants to obey the gospel, I'm, I'm going to make sure that they understand what they're doing, and I'm going to facilitate that. I'm not going to stop them. In fact, when it comes to facilitation of obedience to the gospel, um, I would rather err on the side of baptizing someone into Christ than not. And here, um, Neil Abbott, the virgin, uh, I got I gotta kick my eyeglasses into four wheel drive. That means, that means I got to look at the con content at the comments through the thick part of my bifocals, the virgin birth prophecy from Isaiah seven mentions the two Kings, um, bugging Ahaz would be done with before the child knows to refuse evil and to do good. No one is born accountable. That's a good point. No one is born accountable, but becomes so to, to the exercise of their senses to discern good from evil. Uh, that's an allusion to Hebrews uh, chapter 5 about uh, we need to have our senses exercised the discernment of good and evil. Yeah, if you don't have your senses exercised to the discernment of good and evil, you absolutely are not accountable to the law. But I have never thought about that particular point that you said in fact, it, it, I think this is worth an excursus to Isaiah 7 to read that. I think that's interesting. That, that's, that's such a one and I, I really, really love one and done points. So, well, we're all born in sin and, and, and we're all born accountable to the law. And there's not an, well, no, let's go to Isaiah 7. All right, let me, all right. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You shall call him Ishmael. Verse 16 is the verse. 
Uh, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just continue reading in verse 15. And I said, Ishmael, Emmanuel, you shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat that he may know to refuse the evil and to choose the good. But before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that thou abhorrest shall be forsaken of both her kings. Yeah, so even if we, and, and some of my brethren say, well, this is, not a, this is not a messianic prophecy as some claim. This is, I'm like, okay, I get it, fine. Regardless of what this is prophesying, which I believe 100% it's a messianic prophecy, prophecy that would have a kind of dual fulfillment. You cannot, you cannot deny that the prophet speaking as the mouthpiece of God, writing this down, that there is an age where a child does not know to do good, to, to, to latch hold of good and eschew evil. He doesn't know that. He doesn't possess the mental faculties to do that. That's such a good one and done. If if we if we don't if we don't agree, if you ever run into anybody that doesn't agree, there's an age of accountability. You've got Romans seven, but then you can pair it with Isaiah seven. Ben Grady, when can one discern and have a grasp or understanding for themselves? of right and wrong. Funny in correlation with the ones entering the promised land, they found our brains aren't developed completely until they are in their twenties. Uh, well, actually, uh, for, for males, it's about 25 and females typically a little earlier than that. Um, but our, our cerebral cortex are, are, is not, is it our frontal cortex or our cerebral cortex where is the part of the brain that, that deals with long-term ramifications and consequences of actions? Um, anyway, can you fully make the choice for yourself, uh, seeing the world and understand fully until fully matured? So that, that's, a, that's a good point to be made. So there is a definite line of demarcation between accountability and innocence. What is that line? And I mean, I think honestly, whenever I, I understand that I baptized my children at a very early age, my children obeyed the gospel at a very early age. I obeyed the gospel at a very early age. That I believe is exceptional, not standard. I do, however, think as has been said in this comment section, that we do a grave disservice to our young people by rushing them to obedience to the gospel. Because little children are very, very good at parroting. Now, I will tell you this, and, and th this is what I said with my son, because some people rightly, some people rightly questioned the decision to baptize him into Christ. And I said, look, here, here's the thing. And, and I didn't come up with this. I, I received some advice from uh, an older brother. Uh, look, my son is eight years old. And he 
is able to articulate the sin that he committed that's keeping him out of heaven. He knows that we are he is not accountable to us any longer because he was punished for that sin. And the rule in our house is once you do wrong and you're punished for it, you've it's squashed and we don't even think about it no more anymore <laughs> using a double negative. But he said, God, God still knows. And, and and he hasn't made it right with God, even though he's made it right with us. And I will, I will tell you how that affected my wife. Whenever she heard that she broke down and cried, she wept. And, um, I said, look, if I baptize him now and he's not accountable, he's going down an innocent babe and he's coming up an innocent babe wet. And if in 10 years he comes to me and says, dad, I cannot believe you were so irresponsible to baptize me into Christ or to think you was able to baptize me into Christ when I was so young, but I want to make it right. And I want to give my life to Christ now. The absolute worst thing that could happen is that his baptism was valid whenever he was young and he's going down into the water, a a dry saint and coming up a wet saint. And the absolute best that could happen is his baptism at an early age was not valid and he's going down into the water, a dry sinner, and he's coming up a wet saint. Tell me how we can lose. But if I deny him and I don't and I don't give this the the credence it deserves and treat it with the gravity that it deserves and I hide the ball and I treat him like well maybe one of these days you're just not ready now and I dismiss what he's going through it's possible that he will never come back to this realization and conviction so again, I, I went ahead and I did what I did and I'm glad he, he, he's never looked back. I've never looked back on mine and, um, yeah, that's, that, that's about all I've got to say about that. Um, Ben Grady says, I agree with you. I just think personally, our youth come in contact potentially with more darkness early on yet. Many in the church on the, on the same hand are heavily sheltered. I, I agree 100% with, with both aspects of that. Wayne Vaughn says it has been said that we all come to the age of accountability at different ages and of their understanding of scripture. And Wayne Vaughn, I agree 100% with that. Scott Beck says are Catholics believing the age of accountability to be a few days old. Of course, they only sprinkle that infant. So there's all kinds of issues there. So what the Catholics do, if I'm understanding correctly, and I'm open to correction is whenever they do an infant baptism, that that's not a baptism the way the New Testament teaches baptism. In other words, that's not a washing away of sins. And and look, we can have a conversation about the purpose of baptism. I often, and I think I rightly so, I critique my brethren and myself in the Church of Christ, and I say, you know, we're we're told, we're told that, um. We were accused all the time that well, you people teach a work salvation. I'm like, we kind of do if we don't watch it. Now, I don't think any, I don't think anybody in this comment section believes that we have a work salvation. I don't believe we believe that it's a work salvation. 
but we come across as, as if we believe it, okay? And I, I'm just as guilty of it as everybody else because notice what I'm saying. I'm using the word baptism as a metonym for obeying the gospel. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, and I think it happens in Scripture. But I think it's become so overloaded and so charged and so uh, semantically overloaded that perhaps we need to we need to be like, you know what? I'm going to try my best not to use the word baptism as a metonym for obeying the gospel. Um, and that, that's, that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, uh-oh. Well, I lost my train of thought. Neil Abbott, original sin is a cop-out. It's not my fault. I was born that way. That's, I'm, I'm afraid that sometimes that happens. Um, the world is done. The, the word that is done is of Christ, not ourselves. Wayne, I think there's a, I'm normally pretty good at interpreting typos. There may be a typo that's making it difficult for me to understand your statement there. Uh, if you would just re-up it. And, and I just don't want to misrepresent your statement. Uh, Kim Wade says when young people are baptized, when young people are baptized, they are babies. You just don't leave a baby to themselves. You continue to care for them. Yes. And, and listen, that's why every, every congregation that is growing, that is having people obey the gospel. They need a, they need a new converts class. They really do. Um, yeah, Ben Grady, the Catholic, it's a dedication. And uh, I believe years later, they have what's called a confirmation. Is that correct? Don't get me to line. Oh, the work that is done. See, I was trying to interpret that and translate it, but I was focusing on the wrong word being the typo. All right. The work that is done is of Christ not ourselves. Uh-huh. You are correct, sir. Uh, yeah, I 100% agree with that. In fact, I, I just, in my memories, um, I wonder if I can get away with this. All right, I'm going to try to upload a tile where we can use. Let's see if I can get away with this. I'm going to enter the studio as a recorder. Hopefully it doesn't shut everything down. All right, it hasn't. Now, I'm going to design. I'm going to upload a tile. Nope. B. I believe I did baptism meme. Oh, I did. All right. Let's see if let's see if this works. If this works, I'm gonna be so happy. Uh no, it didn't work. Okay. Well, we'll have it for next time. Actually, I'm I'm kind of I, I really want to get this meme up. I wonder what I can do. I wonder what I can do. Bear with me just a second, folks. I want to bring this up. And then we'll finish our thoughts on the age of accountability.
All right. Baptism meme. I'm going to go to Gmail and I'm going to mail it. I'm going to mail it to me. Christianity is now. We're going to boop. We're going to get this because I want to show this meme. Baptism is absolutely not a work of God, a work of man. It's a work of God. Um, now, let me see if I can. Oh, we're cooking with hot butter. It's almost here, folks. Oh, I guess I got to send the mail. All right, bear with me just a second. Now, as we're waiting on this to come in and load, uh, yeah, Colossians 2.12 is it. Kim Wade, it's not just a new convert class, an everyday, oh, absolutely, Kim, I got you. Uh, it's everyday caring for them, checking in on them, calling them, inviting them to your home uh, and family function to stay on them, absolutely. And the Episcopalians do the same. They sprinkle a baby, then at 10 or 12, they have some kind of confirmation, absolutely. And um, not advocating for baby dedication services, just curious. Well, I'm missing a comment there. I know this may be off topic, but there's anything wrong with dedicating children to God, not during worship, but outside of service. Uh, I may get some flack for this, but John, I don't see anything wrong with dedicating your baby to God. Um, if you do, you better you better lead a life that, well, quite frankly, you better lead a life that. Uh, that's commensurate with your dedication though. Um, okay. Sword and Pearl says, yeah. So that evidently sword and Pearl, uh, says yes. at 16 confirmation. I'm assuming that's Catholics. Um, now let me get in here and I should be able to pull this up now. Aha. Uh -huh. We're going to use this as an overlay. I made this. Let me put let me get this caption off the screen. I made this several years ago. Baptism is not a work of man. And notice what I did. I bled two passages of scripture together. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. Colossians two twelve, Ephesians two eight. Not of works, lest any man should boast, Ephesians 2, 9. And hopefully this just, I mean, this doesn't prove anything. This isn't a be-all, end-all. This isn't a one-and-done. But this at least shows that the way that I teach obedience to the gospel, which is submitting, according to Romans 6, to the watery grave of baptism, to being buried with him, to be raised again, to walk in newness of life, that I am not teaching that that is me earning my salvation or working in order, working to, for my salvation like I'm owed salvation. It is me trusting in what God said, and I'm trusting, I'm putting my faith in God, just like Naaman the leper put his faith in God, albeit reluctantly to dip seven times in the Jordan River. Not the Abana, not the Farpar, not 
not six times, not five times, but seven times. Naaman did not earn his cleansed skin, but the operation of God, because of his obedience, allowed him to be clean, and it's not of Naaman's work, lest he should boast. But it was Naaman's faith in the operation of God. He was baptized through faith in the operation of God. All right. Anyway, I, that meme is forever old, and I, I, I've always I find it passed around quite a bit, and I kind of, kind of glad of it actually. All right. Radio DJ says tenth caller wins tickets. Did he earn the tickets? Well, no. But he had to get up and call. That's it. He had to call to get the gift. I just took a string. I just took a screenshot of this. It's good to have those scriptures. Appreciate that. And I'll send it to you, Connie. Um, you have to have your own faith. Absolutely. Uh, Sword and Pearl says that's a cool meme. I appreciate it. I made it, like I said, probably ten years ago with PowerPoint on Windows. Um, we were. Oh, hold on a second. Let me get to the comment section. We were cleaning right here. We were cleaning the building and my three-year-old daughter told me she wanted to show me the bathtub where we are baptized with Jesus. <laughs> well, some people would say your three-year-old daughter knows enough to obey the gospel then. I, 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 am, I am not counted among them. Um, oh, John Exum, this is uh, 1 Samuel one eleven. This is where Samuel was dedicated. And she made a vow and said, O Yahweh of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a seed amongst men, then I will give him to Yahweh all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. Yeah. Oh, man. A razor comes on my head all the time. I hope I can be godly. Um. Okay, I feel like there was a a comment I really wanted to read, but I missed. All right. So what have we talked about thus far? As Ben Grady said, you have to have your own faith. The 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 children that are needing that are wanting to be baptized into Christ. And I'm saying that very specifically for a reason. I don't again, we don't teach a work salvation. You can, you can, if you can come up and you can, I, this, this illustration works much better when you're preaching in a pulpit and there's a baptistry behind you, but you can come up three days a week and you can wallow in this baptistry and you will not have one sin washed. You have to, first off, you have to believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That's Hebrews eleven six. Um, in other words, if you and I are walking by a swimming pool and I bear hug you and I roll you off into the pool, you will be baptized. You will not, however, be saved. Baptism is just an immersion, an overwhelming. That's all it is. Romans 6, 17 and 18, Paul is speaking to Christians in Rome and he's speaking, he, he's calling back to the point in time where they were saved. He said, but God be thanked. You were, past tense, the servants of sin. 
but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then, and that's punctilier, that's a point in time, that point in time at which you were delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Well, that was the point in time which you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. Well, what, what does it mean to obey from the heart? We have to have an understanding and sincerity. And going back to Ben, ben Grady's little three-year-old girl that said, I want to show you the bathtub where we get baptized with Jesus. She may have sincerity, but she doesn't really understand all the nuance. And, and, and that's where the age of accountability comes in. That's where the point of maturity is. Are you able to understand what you're doing? I really believe that we have, in the Lord's church, done such a good job teaching what we must do that we have neglected what we must know. For instance, Kim Wade, they should understand repentance. Martin, watching from Kenya, thank you for joining, and God bless you. Um, yeah, what, what, what's the real work? Faith change, that's repentance. Growth, baptism is simply a submission and trusting and obeying Jesus. In fact, that's a good point, Acts chapter twenty-two, sixteen. 16. Ananias to Paul, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You know, there was three things he was told to do. You got to get up. You got you to do something besides what you're doing now. What was he doing now? He's praying. You have to wash away your sins. That's active. But then you have to be baptized. That's passive. Whenever I was a child, I had long, blonde hair. I'm doing this number because I'm thinking about my cousin. I had long, blonde hair. It was straight. Good to see you, Nancy Medlock, watching from Arkansas. Um, hey, did you know I was traveling around the states preaching in different locations? And I would go into a church every once in a while. I went to a church, rather, that had this, this church in Arkansas had this um, phone in it. Actually, I went to a bunch of different churches, and uh, they had these phones in the foyer. said, a call to heaven. You can call heaven on this phone and it, you know, you can call and talk to God on this phone. And it was $10,000 per call. Like, wow. And then I went to Arkansas and I went to this little church and it was this phone and it said calls to heaven free. I was like, wow. I said, how come, how come it's, it's free to call heaven on this phone in Arkansas, but in Alabama and everywhere else, it was, you know, $10,000 a minute. To which one of the persons in the audience in the foyer said, "Well, that's because Arkansas is God's country, and it's not a long distance call." All right, terrible joke. The real work, the active thing that you must do, we must. We're responsible for washing away our own sins. How is that? I'm going to give you an illustration. Whenever I was a child, I had this blonde hair, cotton top. My cousin had blonde hair. His was curly. 
we were probably five or six years old and we wanted to go outside and we were told, well, don't go outside or don't go outside and get wet. You can go outside. You just can't get wet. Well, it had just rained. So when we went outside, our feet got wet in the grass. So, well, we're wet a little bit, so we might as well dive off into it. And whenever we came back in, we were completely covered in mud. I mean, our it was caked in on us. I mean, it was our our hair was brown. We were brown. We looked like something out of a Lord of the Flies. Anyway, well, me and him, we just rushed in to open the door, and my mother yelled as you get out there and wash that mud. Well, I can't wash the mud off of me. I can't reach everywhere. So what did we do? I had to submit to being hosed down. My cousin had to submit to hosing him down, to, to me hosing him down. Um, Martin, let me deal with that in a moment. Um, I'm not sure what Calvinism would say. Whatever Calvinism would say about it, they'd be wrong. But what's the point of this story in relation to Acts 22, 16? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Paul was responsible. He had to play an active role in washing away his sins. How did he do that? The same way I had to play an active role in washing away my mud. I had to submit to standing there and allowing my cousin to spray me off with a water hose, just like he for me. We have to submit to the watery grave of baptism. It is in the watery grave of baptism where we come into contact with the blood of Jesus Christ. Folks, don't discount the necessity of baptism. A lot of people get irritated about it. And I know this podcast isn't necessarily to... Um, prove the necessity of baptism um but i just thought i'd throw that in there uh, a little child has to understand what they're doing they have to be cognizant um they have to be cognizant of what they're doing i'm gonna go to matthew chapter 18 and we'll we'll read one through four here and i'll see if i can't answer that question really quickly at that time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, who, do, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. And verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as the little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble yourself, himself as this child, the same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, the Calvinists absolutely avoid that by like the plague. They say, well, you're just making too much of that. The problem is what Jesus is telling the people is the people in the kingdom of heaven are like little children. And we know that the blood of Jesus makes one just as if they had never sinned. So the, the Calvinists avoid that like the plague. They're not going to deal with it. When my kids were young, they didn't think they needed a bath. They'd say, I'm not dirty. Yet when they got out of the tub, they seen the dirty ring and left and left it for me to clean. Some people say I'm not a bad person. Baptism is not needed. They don't see their dirt. You got that right. And Gita says, great discussion. Uh, thank you, Tony. Just been listening as, as too many chores at hand. Gotcha. Well, we're glad you're here, Gita. 
And um, yeah, Calvin, th- there's Calvin's commentary that John Exum put, uh, put in there. All right. So here's the thing. What is the age of accountability? How do you know when your children are ready to obey the gospel? My suggestion is don't rush them, but don't hide the ball either. And if you if you're let's say I'm going to use Ben Grady as an example again, the little three year old child, little three year old child. Well, you know I've sinned and I've I, I need I need to have my sins washed away. Oh, really, honey? Well, what what does that mean to sin? Well, it's it's whenever I make mommy and daddy sad. Well, that that little child is not ready. So what you would do as a father then is you would kneel down and you would maybe hold her hand or cup her face in your hand. And thank you very much, Gita. And you would say, look, one of these days we're going, you're, you're going to be obeying the gospel. We're going to baptize you. One of these days we will, and I'm your daddy, and, and I want you to trust me that God wants me to lead you spiritually, and He Jesus wants me to take care of you. And while you're young, I'm going to take care of you. But there's going to come a time whenever we have this conversation and I say, listen, it's ready. You need to, you need to have your sins washed away and, and have that conversation. Whatever you do, do not hide the ball. Parents, it's almost like parents think there's a, there, there's a binary choice here. If, if, if they're five or six years old and they want to be baptized, you've either got to baptize them or you have to say you're not ready and and never speak of it again. It needs, I mean, think about the Proverbs writer. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. That's general. That's not, that's not axiomatic. That's general. And it really doesn't have anything to do with religion because according to the Proverbs writer, every religion, every child's religion was set in stone. They were going to grow up to be a Hebrew. But the general principle is, what if you want your child to be, what if, what if, what if, what if very early on you say, you know what, my child's really good with math. So we're going to groom that child to be a mathematician and to go to college and get a bachelor or, or, a, or a master's or a doctorate in math. From a very early age, you groom that child toward that goal. And it's our jobs as parents to know our children well enough and to be involved in their lives enough to know how to train them in the way they ought to go. Same way with, same way with uh, uh, spirituality. So if, if, if your little five, six, seven, eight, nine-year-old child comes to you and says, hey, uh, especially a male. Now, now with, with a female, it's a little different, I would suppose. Uh, I didn't go through this with my daughter, but uh, with, with, with a, the, the difference between a male and a female is, well, what happens at church? Well, the males get to get up and they lead singing, they lead prayer, they wait on the table, they preach and all that. As a boy, I wanted to do that. And so I, I knew I, in order to do that, I need to be baptized. But I know whenever I professed a desire to obey the gospel, it had nothing to do with that. But I would say that it's potentially an issue that a young boy would be like, Hey, um, I want to, I want to preach. 
I want to wait on the table. I want to lead singing. Well, you know, you, 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 in order to do that, in order to really lead and, and, and have a ministry like that, you have to be in Christ. You have to be a, 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 all that good stuff. Um, well, then I want to do that. Well, then you're not ready if that's your response. So I want to be baptized so I can lead singing. Well, that, that's, not, that's not kosher. That's not it. But if that child is like, look, if you have a boy child and that boy child's four or five years old, like, hey, can you can you see Brother Smith up there? Don't don't you don't don't we look up to Brother Smith? He's he preaches, he he serves the community, he's he's a good elder in the Lord's church. He you know, we want to be like him. And if you want to be like him, you're gonna grow up one day to obey the gospel. What's wrong with that? And of course, with your little children, with your little girls. Um, again, I, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss here because I never had to have a conversation like that. My daughter also at a young age, a couple of years after my son, she was like, I need to obey the gospel. And she knew why. And she was crying and she's like, I know I've sinned. And I know that you and you and mom are not the ultimate authority. She didn't say those words, but you know, that's what it was. Anyway, uh, let me get this comment. My 10-year-old son and my 9-year-old daughter are really desiring to be baptized. They can answer the questions that I ask them about baptism, but I struggle with uh, if they can answer because they hear it all the time or if they actually understand. They're really pressing me about wanting to be baptized, Robert Leedy. Uh, man, let me tell you something. First off, congratulations. You're doing something right. If your children want to be what you are, then you're doing something right. So congratulations. Um, I wouldn't have any issue baptizing those children, but I will, I can only tell you, and, and, and this is, I almost made, uh, om- let me put this caption up here again. Um, in the spirit of this caption, I almost made another one that says, I can't comment on anyone else's children, but mine. And so I'm going to give you, from my perspective, here's my children, how we handled it. It was the worst thing we can do now is validate them if, if by baptizing them now. By baptizing my son now, the worst thing I'm doing is I'm getting a child wet, but I'm validating them in their feelings. There's nothing wrong with that. And then, of course, 10 years later, he may say, I can't believe you was dumb enough to do this. Why did you do this? Well, I told you why. Well, I need to be baptized into Christ for the remission of my sins. I need to obey from the heart that form of doctrine, which was delivered Romans 6, 17, and 18. Okay, well, then let's do it. And at that point, the worst thing that we're doing is we are dunking in water a person who's already a saint or the worst thing we're doing is baptizing someone into Christ who needs it. My question is, where's the negative? So if you baptize them now at 10 and 9, my question is, where's the negative? But the one thing, in order to sin, in order to be baptized, in order to obey the gospel, you have to have committed a sin you have to understand that you're accountable to somebody besides your parents. So ask them that. 
maybe do it separately. Maybe say, hey, you know, I want to talk to you. Uh, I will tell you another situation. This was with a 12-year-old boy. Um, we were in the class, and the book that I was using was Leading Accountable Young People to Christ. I don't know where to get that book. Leading Accountable Young People to Christ. I would love to have it. Um, in fact, we we really need to use it up here in Riverview. So if anybody knows where I could get that book, Leading Accountable Young People to Christ, uh, it's a wonderful book. About three weeks in, the young boy, 12 years old, said, Tony, I need you to talk to my grandmama. Now, his grandmama happened to be my aunt. So this is my, would he be my second cousin? He's my cousin's son. Anyway, so I need you to talk to grandmama. I said, well, what, about what? She said, he said, I, I need to be baptized. I need to obey the gospel. And she says, I'm not ready. And I need to, you don't understand. And I said, look, young man, I'm not telling you that you need to rebel against your grandmother. His grandmother had custody over him in this area. Um. Yes, children have free will. Even 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 children who have not reached the age of accountability, they have free will. Um. So he said, uh, "Is what I told him. I said, I'm not, your 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 grandmother knows you better than anybody, and I have to respect it that she says you're not ready. So let me give you this advice. There is going to come a time whenever you." desire to obey the gospel and you're not going to ask for anybody's permission you're just going to do it and i guarantee you your grandmama will not be angry she will be happy and she will be proud he lasted about two weeks <laughs> uh the, the uh, about two weeks he was in my class he was crying he was rocking back and forth he was wringing his hand he said I just got to do it. I just got to do it. I don't care what anybody says. I got to do it. Help, please, please talk to her. Please tell her not to be mad at me. We baptized him that day. And I, with no regrets whatsoever. He was 12. So again, all of that, the 10-year-old and the 9-year-old, ask them why they want to be baptized. Ask them what it means to sin and ask them, what sin have you committed that's keeping you out of heaven? And be prepared for a really terrible, tough, brutal answer that makes your wife cry. And maybe makes you cry. I'm going to tell you, I got a little emotional, but I never did shed a tear. It was, it was For some reason, it was harder on me for my, to listen to my daughter make that admission than it was for my son. Don't ask me why. I do not know. That may, that may be something wrong with me. Anyway. Now, after all of that, very quickly, I want you to consider this. 20 years and upward, all of the people that murmured against God and said, we cannot go take the land of, the, the land of promise, all of those that sinned in the wilderness, the ones that died in the wilderness that were not allowed to go into the land of promise. They were 20 years old and upward. But if you were 19 years old, you were not held accountable for that sin. 
I think that there is something to consider in that line of demarcation because that's set by God. I really feel, and it has been said in this comment section, I really feel that we push children towards the waters of baptism way too quickly. I think, I think maybe we need to groom them, guide them, don't hide the ball. Just like you tell your little child, look, I know you're going to grow up one day to be a doctor. Work it in there. Hey, I know you're going to grow up one day to be a Christian. Maybe maybe somebody comes forward and obeys the gospel and they're baptized into Christ at a worship service and you tell your children, hey, you're going to be doing that one day. One day that'll be you. Why would we not do that? Are we not supposed to train up our children? Jonathan Jenkins used that in a similar discussion. Yeah. I mean, that's good. You know, I mean, it, it needs... Don't hide the ball. Whatever you do, don't hide the ball. May, and, and, and Robert Leedy, you, you may decide, you know what? My 10-year-old, my 9-year-old aren't ready. And there's nothing in the world wrong with that. You say, listen, I'm your daddy. Trust me. You're not, you're not at a point where you need to be baptized, but you will be. Do you trust me enough that when that day comes, if I, if I look at you and say, hey, you, you need to obey the gospel, will you do it? Build that, build that trust relationship. Now, if you, if tomorrow, if you, well, we're not on tomorrow, but let's say on Monday's podcast, you say, Hey, both of my children were baptized into Christ over the weekend. I'm going to say congratulations because I 100% trust that you as a father know your children better than anybody else on this planet. And you know, whether or not they're ready. Communicate that to your children. Don't don't hide the ball. Uh, now, twenty years old and upward, it may be that we rush these kids to the water too soon. It may be that is not a line of demarcation that needs to come forward in the new covenant. That's not a hard and fast rule, but it is very possible that that sixteen year old child is not ready. And it's very, very possible that that 10-year-old child is. And that's the age of accountability. That's all I have on the matter. I don't know anything else to say. Um, I would ask everyone that you would, uh, for show topics and questions, come on, uh, send me an email, christianityisnow at gmail.com. Also, if you like what we do and you want to help us out monetarily, you can send a one-time donation to nearchurches at gmail.com. That's our tip jar. The only reason we have it up is because some of you have asked, and every once in a while, I'll get an email that says, you've got money, and some of y'all will send a little bit. Uh, we do have some plans for that money. One thing is we're going to buy a DBX-286XS uh, for Aaron Dotson so he can have a little bit better sound quality. And I've already talked to Aaron about this. Uh, we are going to uh, be producing in 2024 more short videos on YouTube. We're going to try to be monetized. 
So uh, go to our YouTube channel, Christianity Streams, Christianity Now Streams, and uh, just play the videos in the background if you don't know anything else. Uh, I mean, listen to them and stuff like that. But if you play them in the background, that gets our viewer count and our watch time hours up. And we need 4,000 watch hours in any given 12-month period. And we also need 1,000 subscribers. We got 155 subscribers. That's great. Uh, but we need 1,000 in order to be monetized. And it looks like we, we're well on our way to doing that. Now, the reason we're wanting to be monetized on YouTube is not because we're trying to get rich off of you. But YouTube is making money off what we do on YouTube. If we're monetized, we just get a cut of that. So. You can help us do that. Uh, share the material. Uh, go to Substack. You can you can subscribe for free on Substack. Share our co share our content on your social media platform, and and really help us with the YouTube. That would be great. Also, you can you can do a monthly donation on Patreon, and uh, but we don't do a whole lot on Patreon. We're trying to really focus on the five dollar a month subscription on Substack. But you do not have to pay five dollars a month. You can just do for one for free. Folks, um, that's all I've got here. Oh, hold on a second. I was in that situation. This is from Ben Grady. I wanted to be baptized. I knew all the steps, but I feel I was wanting to for the wrong reasons. I understood at the same time that, er but everyone, friends, etc., were getting baptized and wanted to follow suit at the time. But we ended up waiting a few years and then, and then decided on my own. Hold on a second. And then decided on my oh decided on my own accord. Sorry, um, Neil Abbott says thanks again. I appreciate that. And sadly, all those who have told to say the sinner's prayer and then were baptized, they are still lost in my thinking because uh because they think they were saved before they were baptized. Uh, absolutely, that is that is absolutely brutal as well. Uh, you cannot be taught wrong and obey right. And again, this is not us being the judge. This is just going by what the Bible says. All right, folks. Thanks. Thank you so much, everybody. I really appreciate it. And um, thank you for all the comments. Thank you for the questions. And um, yeah, God bless you. This has been Tony Brew with Cogitations. Remember, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio. You can do Christianity Now on Substacks, Christianity Now streams on YouTube. Help us get to those 4,000 watch time hours and 1,000 subscribers. God bless you, and we'll catch you on the flip side.